0: Hey, my name is Alyssa Wolf and as a chronic pain specialist, I am on a mission to empower you to tackle your chronic pain naturally by uncovering hidden truths about pain and exposing the deeper cause. I aim to help you transform your relationship with pain because you've been in this relationship for long enough and you deserve better. You just need a little help to get out of it. And that is what the chronic pain breakup podcast is all about. I'll be busting pain management myths, teaching you some of the mind blowing neuroscience of pain and help you overcome some of the roadblocks that are keeping you from seeing real long-term improvements in pain. Stick with me and in no time, you'll learn the keys to breaking up with stubborn pain so you can get back to doing what makes you, you and living your fearless and fulfilling life. So if you have chronic pain and are looking for no fluff, natural science-backed pain relief solutions, pull up a seat and get cozy because you are in the right place let's get started hey there pain warriors so this episode is going to be a doozy because it's about time that we talk about crps right this is a topic that i've been wanting to cover for a long time now this is one of my favorite conditions to work with uh and it seems like crps is a little bit like the healthcare system's forgotten stepchild they like to ignore it they like to pretend that it's not there and they neglect it they deny that it's real And because of that, they end up doing treatments that can make it worse. Now, there is so much that I wanna cover today, and I am not gonna be able to cover everything, but I wanna talk about number one, the neuroscience, okay, the neurobiology of CRPS. I wanna clear up some of the misinformation that you may have heard about CRPS. And of course, we need to discuss treatments for this condition, okay? And the reality is that there is so much that I want to cover. That I'm gonna to have to split up this topic into probably a couple of episodes. All right. So now this episode is not gonna be just a basic introduction of CRPS. Right. I'm not gonna just go through you know list off all the signs and symptoms and and like the diagnostic criteria and all of that. Um, I'm not gonna to talk to you at length about you know, what it's like to have CRPS. Uh, And if you want that kind of information, you're going to have to go just do a quick Google search. You can find that kind of stuff all over the internet. Okay. But what we are going to do today is we are going to get into the nitty gritty of CRPS. Okay. CRPS stands for complex regional pain syndrome. You may still hear people calling it by its old name, which is RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And there's by definition, two types of CRPS, okay? They have subtle differences, um, which you can totally look up on Google, okay? But in either case, CRPS is characterized by intense, unimaginable pain. It usually follows after some sort of an initial injury to a limb, but not always, not in all cases. In fact, the fun fact about CRPS is that the most common cause of CRPS is immobilization after some form of physical trauma. Okay, so that could be like something like a fracture, it could be a surgery or an infection, a nerve injury, a sprain, anything like that, followed by a period of immobilization. Usually that means that it was the limb was immobilized in some sort of a cast or a brace or a boot or a splint or something like that. So that is very important to note about the condition because that gives us a lot of insight into what's going on potentially. Because that has a lot to do with the underlying mechanism for why CRPS develops. Okay, so some other uh, of the other signs and symptoms of CRPS. Most often you'll have hyperalgesia or pain that is disproportionate to the severity of the stimuli. Okay, you'll have allodynia which is pain that's experienced with a not normally pain-provoking stimuli. So for example, you may have pain when the bed sheet touches the skin or pain when you're wearing socks. All right so those things shouldn't normally cause pain but they cause pain that's allodynia and then you may or may not also see signs like swelling uh, skin color changes like redness bluish or red blotchy patterns on the skin there may be circulatory changes hair growth changes changes in the nails fingernails uh, toenails um, skin temperature changes and motor control changes. Okay, so for example, dystonia, tremors, or spasms, things like that. And then one of the most, one of the scariest parts about CRPS is that it has a tendency to spread, which we are gonna for sure talk about more today. But the, there really is so much to cover. There's so much that you need to know, and I can't possibly cover everything that you need to know to really make a significant impact in your pain, your symptoms, your quality of life with just one podcast episode, okay? This episode is only going to scratch the surface. And the reality is, friends, and I hope I'm not bursting anybody's bubble here, but a CRPS podcast episode isn't going to fix your pain. This episode should provide you with some valuable insights and information, but ultimately, if you want to get relief, this episode isn't going to do that for you. Okay, so if you want to get outside help, a step-by-step plan, and a second set of eyes on your recovery process from someone who actually has knowledge, experience, and expertise with CRPS, because you need outside help, and I'd love to talk to you one-on-one to see if this is something that I might be able to help you with. Like I said, I love working with folks with CRPS, and so please get yourself on my calendar. Set up a call with me. It's a free call. Just to go over everything and see how together we can get you as pain-free as possible. Now, before we get started and really dive into some of the neuroscience today, the first thing that needs to be addressed is the biggest myth surrounding this condition. And that is that there's this belief that CRPS is a mental condition, that it's all in the head, that it's all made up, or that it's fake. One reason there's this stigma around the condition is oftentimes diagnostic testing cannot explain the symptoms, like cannot fully explain the symptoms. Even if there was an initial injury or traumatic injury, the degree of symptoms far outweighs the extent of the injury. The pain persists despite healing and the pain and symptoms can spread seemingly without reason. So when something can't be explained from a biomedical or biomechanical perspective, people tend to just default to this assumption that it's a mental thing. Okay? So number 1, I hope that today you can see the neurobiology behind this condition and see how it's not just a, it is not a made up condition. Okay? Now, let's go back to the number one cause of CRPS, okay? The most common cause of CRPS is some sort of physical trauma followed by a period of immobilization with a brace, a cast, a splint, some kind of compression sleeve, a boot, whatever. There's immobilization that happens. And when we immobilize like this, a couple of things start to happen. Number one, there is a change that occurs in the sensitivity or reactivity of the nerves locally in that area, in that region, okay? And number two, there's a change in the processing ability in the brain for that body region. So again, there's a change in the peripheral nerves in that area, we call that peripheral sensitization, and there's a change in the processing of sensory information in the brain. We call that central sensitization, okay? And side note, these two changes can and do happen to varying degrees with other types of pain as well. It's not just a CRPS thing. So, what happens is the nerves locally in that area start to change their physiology. The body naturally takes action to protect the injured area and it ramps up its defense mechanisms by making you better at detecting various information, various sensory information. So, you can think about it this way maybe you have one of those ring doorbell camera things on your house, but after your house gets broken into, you decide that you want to ramp up your home's security system, you need to ramp up your house's defense mechanisms by getting a really beefed up security system with cameras everywhere, right? Those little sensors that chime anytime you open a door, the whole nine yards. The body does the same thing. Because of this injury and this period of immobilization, your body needs to keep that area extra safe. And so it changes its physiology to get better at detecting anything that could re-injure or slow down your healing in that area, okay? So what happens is those nerves change up their receptors. So they're now even better at detecting things like movement, pressure, touch, vibration, changes in blood supply, changes in stress levels or cortisol, changes in temperature, and changes in swelling and inflammation. It becomes better at detecting those smaller and smaller changes. And this is why when you take a cast off, for example, the skin in that area is super sensitive to the touch. It's super sensitive to hot or cold, right? Every little movement or touch is heightened. So with CRPS, that's one piece of the puzzle, right? Those nerves in that area become more protective. They've changed their physiology to become more protective. They've ramped up their defense mechanisms by changing their receptors. So it doesn't take nearly as much of a stimulus to get those nerves to fire, right? So a light touch of a bedsheet can hurt. Moving just a little bit hurts, right? Or if you don't move enough and blood supply dips just enough, that hurts too changes in inflammation hurt, and changes in stress levels can hurt, and even small changes in temperature, like hot or cold, can start to hurt as well. So those nerves are overly reactive. They're firing like crazy with any and all stimuli, right? Does that make sense so far? Now, the other important piece of the puzzle is this shift that happens in the brain, okay? So the brain, specifically in the sensory cortex and in the thalamus, it loses some of its ability to correctly interpret sensory information from the affected body part. And it's as if the brain is no longer speaking the same language as the body. So when the affected limb is flooding the brain with information, with this sensory information, because it's overreactive, the brain is getting flooded with these messages, but it cannot understand what those messages mean. It cannot Understand whether you're safe or in danger. They can't differentiate between if the sensation your body is trying to, to communicate is just a bedsheet touching your leg or if it's a snake biting your leg. Okay, so if the brain gets these messages but the brain doesn't know what they mean, the safest thing possible is to, for the brain to do, is to assume there's an injury or an infection or something that needs protecting and go into this protective survival response, okay? If you're old enough, remember right after 9-11, there was this big anthrax scare and people were getting mail with anthrax in it, a dangerous biochemical. And it actually made a bunch of people sick. It actually killed a couple of people. And during that time, post 9-11, we were all told not to open any packages, any mail, if we weren't expecting those packages. So now imagine during that time period, an unmarked package just shows up on your doorstep. Okay, You don't know what's in the box. It could be a care package with a teddy bear inside of it, or it could be a box filled with that dangerous biotoxin. So what would you do in that situation? What would you do? Think about that you'd call for help, right? You'd get the emergency response team to come out. You'd get them to come out and investigate. They'd take all of the necessary precautions, you know, the hazmat suits and everything, the gas masks, right? That's the response that you would take. And the same sort of thing happens in the brain when we have this change. There's this change in the brain's processing ability in the sensory cortex, where the brain gets these messages from the body but it doesn't know what they mean. So the safest thing, the safest response is to assume that it could be bad and respond by taking necessary precautions just in case. Does that make sense? Isn't that a little bit how it feels? This change in the processing in the brain is caused in part by immobilization. It's caused by trying to ignore the body part, ignoring the pain and pushing through it, neglecting it, avoiding it, not moving it, not using it, not touching it, not looking at it, denying it, disowning it, which I know that many of those with CRPS get to that point where they essentially disown that body part. They wanna cut it off, they wanna amputate it, they wanna get rid of it because they feel like it's not theirs, they would be better off without it. That body part can start to feel foreign, it feels heavy, it feels full, it feels numb, And at the same time, it hurts. Numb and painful at the same time. It feels larger. It feels weird. There may be some really super weird, unexplainable sensations like crawling or itching. A sensation that cannot be explained physiologically, but it's because the brain is trying to make some sense of the messages that it's getting. The limb may feel like it's not there or it feels like it's not yours. It can feel foreign or distant as if it does not belong to you, even though it's in immense amounts of pain. There's, in a sense, this disconnect. The the longer this goes on, you start to disconnect more and more and more from that body part. And the brain continues to get worse at processing the messages from that area. So much so that every little message from that area becomes a cause for alarm. And as the condition progresses, it can even get to a point where the brain decides that it needs to protect you from the body part itself. It's almost in a sense, in a really weird way, it's like, it's almost like it's an autoimmune reaction to the body part. It's saying, I need to protect you from this body part. We're gonna ramp up our defense mechanisms to protect you from that body part because we're basically rejecting it as if it's a transplant. It doesn't belong to us. So what ends up happening then long-term? You can start to see some changes in blood supply to that area. The limb may feel cooler, you may, see, you may see some temperature cha- differences between the two body parts, two sides, right? You may see changes in swelling or inflammation because the body is sending in this inflammatory response to try to protect that area from this unknown threat from the injury or to protect your body from the limb itself. Uh, it may be tr- trying to protect you from a potential injury. It may be it's trying to heal an infection. Maybe the brain doesn't know what's going on down there but it just knows it needs to protect you. So it sends in the big guns to go check it out. It sends in the inflammatory response, it sends in swelling. So you get swelling and you get changes in skin coloration and friends, the presence of that swelling is going to further sensitize those peripheral nerves. The presence of swelling has an impact on our receptors in our nerves. Now, another strange symptom that some people with CRPS experience is dystonia, okay? Which is a change in muscle tone where there's a sustained muscle contraction, essentially. And the research studies that I've read have tried to explain what's going on in these cases on a cellular level. They'll talk about the Golgi tendon organs, there's talk about inhibitory interneurons, there's potentially a change in spinal cord circuitry involving the interneurons in the spinal cord which can help control reflexive muscle contractions. So when those changes happen at the level of the spinal cord, that can potentially lead to a loss of voluntary motor control, muscle control. So all of that stuff may be happening on a granular level. We can really dig in and try to figure out like what is happening cellularly um, and all of that, but I don't wanna get too granular here. I wanna just kind of talk about like, what is happening big picture? And big picture, one way to think about this is Increased muscle tone is a neurologic protective response in itself, okay? If the body is under threat, if there's an injury, generally speaking, we want to try to limit too much motion in the area to allow it to heal, to allow that injury to heal, right? So what we see after any injury is this increase in muscle tone in that area. Generally speaking, it's usually the larger flexor muscle groups, muscles that, generally speaking, bring you towards the fetal position, okay? The nervous system essentially tells those muscle groups to tense up and try to protect the area, brace the area, stabilize the area, and immobilize that area. So you may experience some really frustrating muscle contractions, cramping, spasming, tremors, dystonia, where you're stuck in a certain position. That can be very painful in itself. It can be very scary experiencing those kinds of uncontrollable involuntary movements. Super frightening, right? And painful. Now, we also believe that dystonia, tremors, those types of involuntary muscle activity symptoms may actually be a result of those changes that happen in the brain. Again, you can kind of think of it this way. Remember that I told you that the brain can't process information from the body part. Well, if the inputs don't make sense, then the output won't make sense either, right? So if your brain has sort of disconnected from the body part, the movements that it generates, right? How the brain tells that body part to move won't appear to be normal. Does that make sense? And yet it's all part of the nervous system's way of protecting you. It's trying to keep that area safe. But here's the kicker. Remember that I said that immobilization is one of the most common causes of CRPS. And yet here your body is trying to functionally immobilize that area by increasing muscle tone. The more we immobilize, whether that's physically, like with a brace, a sleeve, a cast, a boot, a splint, whatever, or functionally by increased muscle tone and guarding and tension and avoiding the use of the area, not touching it, ignoring it, compensating, all that only contributes to the sensory processing problem in the brain. So what do you think that tells us about the treatment of the condition? Now I'm gonna cover all of that more on the topic of treatment of CRPS in another episode, but you can imagine how immobilization, physical or functional immobilization, is not friendly for the condition. So those doctors who put you in a brace, or in a boot, or in a splint, or whatever, they think they're helping you, but because it feels safer when it's in the boot or the brace, right? It feels protected. Nothing can hurt you. The reality is it's not helping your recovery and it may actually be harming you in the long run. Now we'll talk more about that in the next episode because there's still more neuroscience that I want to talk about today. I hope that you're following with me so far because we still need to talk about swelling and spreading, okay? So let's talk about swelling first and then we'll wrap up the episode by talking about spreading last, right? One common symptom of CRPS is swelling and experiencing changes in temperature in the skin or changes in the color of the skin okay so here's the thing because if a doctor says to you that your scans are fine right the fracture is healed everything looks good structurally mechanically things are okay in that area and yet you experience swelling it can be really hard to wrap your head around that because you may be thinking you know like how can i not be injured or re-injured if my freaking leg is swollen and bruised and red and purple and all of that the doctor must have missed something because i sure as hell am not making up this swelling right it's plain as day you can see it so there must be something wrong in there have you had that thought before well this is going to be hard to understand but it is physiologically possible to experience swelling without an acute injury or re-injury Now, remember I mentioned how the nerves in that area can become super sensitive, they become more reactive, it's easier for those nerves to fire and send danger messages with very small or little stimulus. So they're firing all the time, like crazy. Well, something that you should know about certain nerves is that when they fire, they pass a neurotransmitter up towards the spinal cord, and that's how sensory information makes it up to the brain. Cool, simple, straightforward, right? But also what you may not know is that those nerves, those super sensitive nerves, those super reactive nerves, when they fire towards the spinal cord, they also backfire. In biology language, when an action potential is initiated, it can create a retrograde signal that travels in the opposite direction. Okay, that backfiring basically causes the release of certain neuropeptides locally into that area, the tissues in that area. Okay, so those neuropeptides are pro-inflammatory chemicals. They basically signal your immune system to attract immune cells to the area. So in other words, it causes inflammation. Those overly reactive nerves that are firing like crazy are also backfiring and causing swelling. So you don't actually have to have a new injury or re-injury to experience swelling. If those nerves are being set off by changes in temperature, for example, they're being set off by small movements, light touch, even stress, you can experience fluctuations and swelling in that area as well. Can you see how that works? And can you also see how if you have increased swelling, that's gonna wanna make you move even less? Like it's literally a sign to protect that area, keep it safe, keep it stable, keep it immobile which as we already discussed, isn't the friendliest of coping skills in this case because long-term, it can make the problem worse. Can you see that? Okay, now one of the biggest, most common questions that people ask me about CRPS is why does it spread? Why and when does it spread beyond the initial site? And of course, the answer isn't straightforward. There's different theories on how and why it spreads. So I found one study that reported that CRPS had spread in about 42% of study participants. Now, most of the time it spreads to the opposite side. So if it starts in one arm, it can spread to the other arm. If it starts in one leg, it spreads to the other leg. That's what happens most of the time. But it can also spread up or down along the same side. So for example, it can spread from the right leg to the right arm or the left arm to the left leg. But that is a little less common. Like I said, most of the time it spreads to the opposite side. Now it can even spread in a diagonal pattern, right? So from uh, left leg to right arm, for example, but that's even less common, okay? But it does happen. And when it does, that diagonal spreading, it's almost always associated with a new trauma in that area. Now a new injury or trauma does not have to occur for CRPS to spread to the opposite limb or along the same side of, that, of the body. We call that spontaneous spreading. So why does it spread spontaneously, like without a new injury or new trauma? So we can look at some of the factors that predispose you to spontaneous spreading of CRPS. And really, the the predisposing factors that I found the most interesting were it happens more frequently in people who have disordered movements as a symptom. So like dystonia or tremors or involuntary movement patterns, those with disordered movements are more likely to have their pain spread spontaneously. And then the other thing, the other predisposing factor I found um, a little surprising was having a younger age at the onset So having that younger age at onset means that you're more likely for it to spread. Okay so the younger you are when it starts the more likely it is for it to spread. Surprisingly severity of symptoms or intensity of symptoms does not seem to predict whether or not it will spread. Now how it spreads from a neurobiological perspective it happens in different ways depending on the direction of the spread. So we believe that When it spontaneously spreads to the opposite limb, meaning, again, without a new injury or trauma and it spreads from, let's say, an arm to an arm or a leg to a leg, this is most likely due to changes in the spinal cord. Okay, Now, we all might think that the brain does all the processing, but really the spinal cord processes sensory information before passing that information up to the brain. So when CRPS spreads to the opposite side of the body, it's likely due to a change in the spinal cord's processing of sensory information. This happens due to a change in the interneurons in the spinal cord or the brainstem. So you can think of the interneuron in the spinal cord, you can kind of think of it like the bouncer at a club. Okay, the bouncer only lets certain people in, important people in, right? The cool folks. But if the bouncer can't do his job pr- properly, then everyone can just come in, right? The interneuron in the spinal cord filters out certain information, but if that interneuron can't do its job, it's gonna let lots of information pass up to the brain. Now that, what sucks about this is the, because of the way the spinal cord is wired, there's some crossover. So what that means is that sensory information from the other side that would normally get filtered out by that interneuron can now pass freely up the spinal cord to the brain without that initial processing at the level of the spinal cord by the interneuron. And so it's not getting filtered out from the opposite side, okay? It's like, you know, if your bouncer's job is to only let a few people in from one side of town, but then the bouncer gets sick and now more people from both sides of town can get in. Does that kind of make sense? Also, when your brain is processing information from one side of the body, both sides of the brain, particularly that sensory cortex, get activated. And and that change that I talked about in the brain where the brain can't process sensory information, it can't understand the messages that it's getting from the body, it appears to happen on both sides of the brain, which may also contribute to the spreading of those symptoms from one side to the other, so from one leg to the other leg or from arm to arm. Now, that's how pain can spread from one side to the other, from arm to arm or leg to leg. The mechanism is a little different when it spontaneously spreads along the same side of the body, meaning without a new injury or trauma, and it moves from left arm to left leg or right arm to right leg. There, and there are a few possible theories proposed as to why this happens. So there are those changes in sensory information processing in the brain. Like I said, it's like the brain stops speaking the same language as the body. Well, based on how the body is organized in the brain, when that change happens in one body region, it can also sort of bleed out to the nearby areas in the brain causing similar changes in processing of the processing of sensory information from nearby body, part, body regions. It's also believed that when neuroimmune cells are activated in the spinal cord, they can move up or down the spinal cord. And when they move, they cause these changes in other parts of the spinal cord, which then may contribute to changes in the processing ability and that filtering of messages ability in the spinal cord, which of course can contribute to the ipsilateral spread of CRPS. Also, okay, when we experience pain, brain regions that are responsible for modulating pain on both sides of the brain activate. So not just on the side that you have pain on. So essentially it's like the brain may shut off its own endogenous painkillers, which may contribute to the spread of pain either from one side to the other or along the same side of the body. And then also widespread hyper excitability of the brain regions has been observed in folks with chronic pain, which again, may contribute to the spread of CRPS. Okay, now this may be too much science. This may have gone right over your head. Some of you may be feeling either super excited or validated by having this information. And some of you may be feeling a little overwhelmed or maybe are a little defeated, feeling a little defeated by hearing some of this information. My intention with sharing this is not for you to feel like, holy crap, this sucks. Like how can I ever fix this? There's nothing I can do about it. Okay. I don't want you to leave here today feeling that way. Okay. The good news is that these changes that we're talking about in the nervous system happen because our nervous system is always changing and adapting. The nervous system got you into this mess and your nervous system can get you out of it. Most of these changes that we're talking about in the nervous system are reversible and are not permanent. So if you're wondering, can you ever get better? Does this ever go away? Yes, it can get better with the correct treatment, with the correct approach and execution and consistent implementation. Now, I can't guarantee that it will ever go away completely and you'll forever be pain-free for the rest of your life. But yes, it can certainly get better, but it's not gonna get any better if you don't change anything. If you keep trying the same old pain-numbing, pain-managing remedies, The creams, the pills, the stimulation, all of that, it's not going to get you any better if you just keep pushing through pain, keeping yourself on that push and crash cycle. It's not going to get any better if you continue to avoid neglect, ignore, immobilize, right? We have to be strategic about your treatment because what works for other types of pain is often bad advice for CRPS. So in the next episode, I'm going to talk more about that treatment of CRPS. I want to clear up some of the misinformation that you may have heard about the treatment. And I want to discuss some of the most common treatments I see people trying or things that were recommended for CRPS and talk about what really does work and what things that you may want to skip over. So certainly stay tuned for that episode to learn more. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to know. Okay, I want you to reach out to me on Instagram at Pain Crusader, send me a DM, and let me know what you learned from this episode. What was your big takeaway from this episode? What was your big aha moment? Okay, I want your feedback because I'm sure for many of you, learning this information only opens up more questions. And if that is you, if you have more questions now than when you started, that's good. That's great, right? That's exactly what I want. I want you to be curious. What I don't want is for you to sit back and accept that this is your so-called new normal and there's just nothing else that you can do. You just wait it out, cross your fingers. That you just need to find new and more creative ways to just manage this pain and wait it out. Listen, friends, this, that kind of approach isn't gonna get you anywhere. And if you do just passively wait, you could be risking everything getting worse. CRPS doesn't wait for anyone. So if you wanna take action right now and get some outside support for, from someone who understands this condition and can walk you through the simple steps that you can start making on your own at home right now, then let's connect. Get on my schedule for a one-on-one call. Let's talk about your unique situation and what it would look like for you to finally get some support and a step-by-step plan to get you lasting relief. All right, and I hope to speak with you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you want to take this relationship to the next level, you can connect with me and other pain crusaders inside my private Facebook group, battling chronic pain with neuroscience, where these episodes are actually recorded live. And I'd love to hear from you. Share your questions and biggest struggles with your chronic pain recovery journey by reaching out to me on Facebook or on Instagram at pain crusader. Thanks again for listening and never stop learning.